Well, good to see you tonight. Holiday tomorrow. Sometimes we get some extra people out. They don't have school and stuff like that to go to, and sometimes we don't. Looks like tonight we didn't. But it's good to see you all here. Maybe afterwards we can find out where everybody's going for tomorrow. But tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. And we're going to pick up here in verse 1. Just had a couple of miracles that had gone on. Revival had been spurred because of them. And now we move here. Some of the things that uh, Peter's, Peter's been bouncing around here, getting called to a few different places. And so he's in Joppa. We talked about him being at the home of a tanner and what that was. That that's not exactly the place the Jewish guy would like to be. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man. Of course, we know what happens when it says a certain man. A certain man, certain woman, that they're, they're starting something. In Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So he is described as, first off, a devout man. Secondly, one who feared God. One who gave alms to the people. Prayed to God always. In verse 22, a little bit further down, we're going to find out that he's one who fears God. And in verse 30, we're going to find out that he even fasted before God. But it does not appear that the man is saved. You can be a devout man. You can be one who fears God. You can give alms. You can pray to God. And you can fear God. You can even fast. And it will not get you saved. Salvation comes through Jesus. Now, a lot of times we get saved. We become these things. But he became these things first. And was not a believer yet. He feared God. But he did not know the way of salvation. You're going to find out more as we go through here that he has followed in the ways of the Jewish religion. Seeking after God. And God saw that. And God sent a message to him so that he could be instructed on what to believe. So that he could be saved. Because salvation was to be brought to his whole household. Which would include him. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, this is uh, one of the hours of prayer. Apparently, he adopted the hours of prayer that the Jewish religion had. So about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Memorial. Didn't say anything about salvation. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tenor, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Do for what? Be to be saved. <laughs> it's what he's uh, interested in. So he clearly sees this in a vision. This is an unsaved man who fears God, does a lot of good things, and God gives him a vision. He's a certain man. He's going to spark something. And God capitalizes on that. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. This is going to play into the story later on. And so when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So he's an unsaved guy who gets a vision about a man who's in a city that he doesn't live in who's staying at a house of a tanner. Now, he is a, Cornelius is a Gentile 
who is following in the ways of the Jewish people. So he understands the differences between Jews and Gentiles. And so when he says that he is staying at the helm of a tanner, what do you think his first response is? I couldn't have heard that right. <laughs> a Jew is not staying in the home of a tanner. But maybe that also might have given him hope that, hey, maybe he'll go come to the house of a Gentile and we can, um, we can hear from him. So whatever it was, he, he heard this. He saw it clearly in the vision. So he uh, went ahead with it. Now, of course, we've, uh, we've learned from other places in Scripture, Brother Hagin would share with us about this, that the stronger the revelation, the greater the test. This man is a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier. What kind of test do you think he's going to be under? If he is a certain man who's going to spark something in the area of Caesarea, you think the Romans might have something to say about that? I think the Jewish people might have something to say about that. So we're not really told about the things that he comes under, but probably he comes under some stuff because the people we see that have visions and dreams and get led in those ways have some pretty tough roads ahead of them. So we're not told what happens with Cornelius, but I think when we get to heaven, we can ask him and he'll let us know. Verse 9, The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So as they're getting closer to the city... They're about a day's journey away, so they leave one day, they get there the next. They may have uh, stopped and, and lodged somewhere. It's about 30 miles that they would have to have to get there. So it's three people going 30 miles, whether they had horses, maybe they took some horses, maybe they brought an extra one for Peter. I would think with horses you'd cover 30 miles in less time than that, but what do I know? Um, I really don't understand taking more than a day. to. I think if you leave in the morning, you should be there by the afternoon. But that's just me. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up a housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, we said he spends uh, some time up in the rooftop, probably because of the smell that was going on down below. But he's up there. He's getting ready. He's getting hungry. He would have eaten, except they're, they're down there still making it. This is a Gentile home. I'm sure that they are abiding by his dietary uh, needs because you're going to find out uh, that they probably are by something that Peter says here. And, and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. Now this is a little bit different than a vision. He has seen a little bit more. In the, in the book of uh, uh, the, uh, Paul writes to us in the book of Corinthians about the gifts of the Spirit. One of the most un, uh, misunderstood gifts of the Spirit is the gift of the discerning of spirits. It is very often called the gift of discernment. And there is no gift of discernment in the Bible. It does not exist. I heard one person, uh, uh, I, think it was, uh, I think it was Brother Keith Moore, who was talking about the gift of discernment. He says that's more often people who have the gift of suspicion. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But there is no gift of discernment in the body of Christ. Discernment is to come with wisdom. And it's not a gift. You don't have a special gift for it. Any more than you have a special gift of, of wisdom. It's, uh, there's, there's not a gift of wisdom as a spiritual gift. It comes by, we get revelation, we get discernment, we get uh, things like that. And that helps build that up. But um, there is no gift of discernment. The, the gift of discerning of spirits is the ability to see into the realm of the Spirit. 
And this is what Peter is doing. He's not just having a vision of an angel coming down because an angel is not necessarily seen into the realm of the spirit. But he is seen into heaven. He is down there on earth and he is seen into heaven. And he's uh, described as being in a trance. It's described as a vision. But he saw heaven open. If you saw heaven open, you're down here on earth. He's still on the rooftop. And an object like a sheet bound at the four corners descending to him. That's amazing. How far away is heaven? But he saw it leave heaven and come to him. I think if we saw something, if, if something left the moon, we would not see it. So something more than natural forces are going on here. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth and in it all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. For some of us, we may have seen some of those things and gone running. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean, which means the folks downstairs are not preparing him Gentile food. Because he's been there for at least a, a day or two, maybe a few more days than that. Whatever time he's been there, he's been eating at the tanner's house, and they uh, apparently are making kosher food for him. Because so far, he can say this up to this point, I have not eaten now, he doesn't know what they're preparing for lunch right then, but not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, you see this thing that was done three times. This is not because Peter betrayed the Lord three times. God does not go back and rehearse your mistakes. But he's seen this thing that happens three times. Who is going to greet him at the door? The, the delegation that Cornelius sent, which makes it, is made up of a soldier and two servants, which makes three. Three men show up the door. Three times this vision is shown. And that's when he draws the conclusion of what the vision was meaning. So I did put this in your outline. For I've never eaten anything common or unclean, and that would include today the day that he's there at the Tanner's house. So the vision is present, presented three times regarding the people that were going to be coming. Again, it's all about the people coming. He waits until just before they get there. He's watching them the whole way. They're right there, right there. All right, now we got time. Let's go in there with the vision, and we'll have just enough time to do the vision. He'll think about it for a little bit, and then we'll come to the door. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, which means... If he's pondering what the vision meant, then the vision doesn't mean what it says on the surface. What's the vision say on the surface? Go out and eat anything you want to. If he is pondering the meaning of the vision, then the meaning that you would get from seeing the vision is not the right one. We'll get more into that here in just a little bit. So Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. What's the meaning of this? What is God trying to say to me? He's not trying to tell us to go out there and kill some buzzards and eat them up. And I think I put it in your outline there somewhere, Leviticus 11. If you ever want to go back and find out all this stuff about the unclean animals, that's in Leviticus 11. It also describes those who touch the carcasses of these animals, that they are unclean until evening and so forth, and all of the things required for them to uh, 
to be clean, so forth. That's why the tanners were not a, not a popular thing for a Jewish person to be doing. But you can read that on your own if you want to. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, I think sometimes we need to do that more because sometimes people get something from God and they take the surface meaning, the simple meaning, and they run with it. And sometimes we need to just ponder and meditate on some things and let the wisdom of God soak in. This is what Peter is doing. It's not just running off saying, hey, guys, I can eat anything you want. <laughs> Throw it on out. And that's not what God's trying to tell them. It has nothing to do with the lunch being prepared downstairs. But he's hungry. They're fixing lunch. Could you not draw that conclusion? Mm-hmm. And that would be just as stupid as a disciple saying, we forgot to bring bread. I think Peter was went through that before. And he says, I'm not going to take a simple meaning out of something that God has told me again. Now, we're going to ponder this. We're going to let God deal with me. What does this mean? So while he is meditating on what this means, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Isn't that great? You don't need a doorbell. don't need an intercom system. The spirit of God says, Hey, three guys are downstairs looking for you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them. Now, if God says, I've sent them, then he's not to ask any questions. If God says, I have sent them, and God is saying, don't ask them any questions. Go. Doubting nothing. So when they come, don't try and screen this out. Don't try and figure out, should I be doing this? I'm telling you they're here. I sent them. Go with them. You're Gentiles. We're going from one Gentile house to another Gentile house. Then Peter went down to the men who had, who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Mm-hmm. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. And he invited them in and lodged them. Of course, this isn't Peter's house. <laughs> but he invites them in and says, you can stay here with me. And, and Simon probably said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so he stays there with them. So we got three more guests there. So, you know, they're fixing lunch right now. We've got three more for, di- for, for lunch here. So they uh, cook up more whatever it is they're cooking. Of course, these are Gentile folks, so it's probably a little bit easier to find something around the house to give them. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So he didn't go alone. Some folks from Joppa had gone along as well. Uh, God didn't say they couldn't go. God didn't say that they should go. There was uh, just seemed good to Peter to bring them along. They wanted to come. He said, that's fine. So they came. Verse 24. The following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. So um, Cornelius, he just just doesn't know really what to do. He sees someone that God sent as a vision. God says, Go get this guy. He's 30 miles away. That means of all the people in the area, you've got to go 30 miles away to get someone who can do this. That tells Cornelius, this guy's important. We had to go, we had to get him. God 
told us you by name. That's got to move on them a little bit there. And we see that as soon as they come in, they all... Uh, he fought, well, Cornelius fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, Cornelius, he is the, the, the ruling body, basically, in this, this group of people. And he bows down. I don't know if that had a cascading effect and everybody else bowed down as well, but I would think it certainly could have been. But while he's waiting for them to come, he goes and he gets all his relatives and all his close friends. This man is not embarrassed by his, stand, or his, uh, his love for the Lord, his pursuing the Lord, and he brings all of them in to hear these words that are said. So Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And he talked with him, and he went in and found many who had come together. So he think, he's thinking he's going to Cornelius, maybe a few people, and he walks into a small crowd. Okay, I wasn't quite aware there was going to be this many people. But it's all right. We're so good. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, you remember when Jesus was at the well, what was the impression of the woman at the well? You don't have any dealings with, with us because we are not pure Jewish people. And you'll find other areas of scriptures where this had, had gone on as well, where the Jewish people would not have any dealings with, with them. And Peter even falls into this later on, that he starts eating just with the Jewish people when the uh, folks from the Jerusalem came on by and, and uh, so forth, and he was rebuked by Paul. So, so where is the commandment? This is what I put up on Facebook if anybody didn't get up there and see that. Where is the command? What is the basis for Peter saying, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation? What is the basis of the command? What is the basis of the law? Anybody see the thing and try and look it up? All right. There is no law in the, in the Old Testament. There is nothing in the Old Testament that even refers to it. But Peter says it is unlawful. So it's one of the laws made by the Pharisees that has so ingrained itself in disciple Peter that he can't get free of it. Even though he's followed around Jesus all this time. He's seen Jesus and the things he would do. He will not, he will not leave this. You know how law, unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Now look at his interpretation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. How many men were in the sheet let down from heaven? None. Only animals. Creeping things. Birds. Stuff like that. That's all that was in the sheet. But the meaning that he gets from it is that I should not call any man common or unclean. Does he get the right interpretation? Well, the vision is given prior to the men from, Jop- from um, Cornelius coming to Joppa. It would seem that it has to do with their visit. And then the word comes from the Spirit. Peter, We don't know how the Spirit of God spoke it to him, whether it was just an inward voice or or what it was, but the Spirit spoke it to him. I want you to go with these men. Don't you doubt anything. You just go. And he went. And he understood. This thing was let down three times. Three men were sent. We're not talking about the animals. 
We're talking about people. What God has cleansed, what God has said is cleansed, don't you say is un, it's unclean. It's common. That's the interpretation he got from it. And I think he got the right one. But he didn't get that. That doesn't come right off the bat. Right off the bat, if you just want to look at the vision, you say, all right, we can eat anything we want to. And most people who talk about this vision talk about the food laws being disbanded. Right? That's what most people will talk about when they go back to this vision, that the food laws have been disbanded. And and certainly, there's, you know, I don't see anything in the New Testament that talks about still hanging on to the food laws. And we have other teachings from there that talk about, uh, you know, if you want to hang on to the food laws, then you go right on ahead, but don't push it on anybody else. If you want to honor the Sabbath this way, you go ahead, but don't you push it on anybody else. That's, uh, that's your thing. Peter got the right meaning. But it was different from what was on the surface. Too often, I think, Christians are getting things from God and they're taking the surface meaning. They're taking the simple meaning. They're not getting what God is trying to say. We need to find out what it is that God is, is trying to say. Peter spent some time he pondered it. He thought about it. He let God speak to him about it. And when he saw all the events unfold, he said, all oh, this has to do with this. All right. And he drew the conclusion, drew a right conclusion, and he came out there with that. We've got to make sure that when God speaks to us about a vision, when God gives us revelation, we don't just take the surface meaning. It's imperative that we get the right one. If Peter gets the wrong message here kind of messes up the rest of the story so he says but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for I asked then this is great for what reason have you sent for me (laughs) for what reason have you sent for me why did you send for me well we sent for you because the angel told us to He said, you're going to have something to say. And apparently that's not the case. Because you're asking us what we want you to say, and we're asking you what does God want you to say. So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa. Call Simon here whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. (laughs) So Peter is saying, what do you want me to answer for you? And Cornelius is saying, what did God tell you to tell us? So we kind of got to, we're stuck here. (laughs) Peter's thinking, all right, God told me to come here. He didn't tell me anything to say. That's got to be a tough position to be in. I know God told me to be here. I had the vision. I had the Spirit of God say, go with the men. I came with the men. I'm expecting them to ask me some questions, and God will have me give the answers to them. But they're not asking me questions. They're saying, what has God told you to tell us? And God, you haven't told me to tell them anything. That has got to be a scary thing for Peter. Man, what are we supposed to be doing here? What's going on? And just imagine this, if you're, if you're Peter, and all this miraculous stuff has come up, and now you're at the moment of truth, and they say, what has God told you to tell us? And God has told you nothing. Nothing. And, he, and you ask, 
What did you want to ask me? <laughs> All we're asking you is, what has God told you to tell us? Okay, but do you have questions about things? You know, what is it that you want to know? They're expecting him to have something from, from God. I got a couple of translations on verse 33 for you. Here's the message. So I did it. I sent for you. And you've been good enough to come. And now we're all here in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the master put in your heart to tell us. The Amplified puts the last part of it this way. To listen to all that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. The New Living Translation says, To hear the message the Lord has given you. The ESV says, To hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Another translation says, To listen to everything the Lord has ordered you to say. <laughs> so they're, they're expecting, all right, you, you got something from God. Give it to us. And Peter says, I'm here. I did what God told me to do. I did what you asked me to do. Now what's next? And, he, and they don't know. Now you could, you could just shut down the whole move of God right here. Peter say, well, I didn't get anything. And leave. Or just sit down and say, well, I'll have to go back to God and see what's, what's going on. They're not expecting that. They're expecting that, hey, we, we got everybody here. We got, we got the whole meeting. We're, we're ready. We're all here in the sight of God. We're all here. God called us together. I got all these folks together and told them about the great vision God had done and that you were coming and that you would be at this house and we sent for you and you came and it's really good that you came. And we're kind of at an impasse. But fortunately, Peter has been in this situation before. And the next verse, it just simply says that Peter opened his mouth. A lot of times, in the earlier years, he opens his mouth, he got himself in trouble. And he may have even remembered some of those times when he opened his mouth and that he got himself in a little bit of trouble. But he doesn't hear. He opens his mouth and he begins to tell them the things that need to, they need to hear. And we'll see the Spirit of God moves and people get filled with the Spirit. The news of it travels back to Jerusalem. The, the folks are upset at first. And then Peter tells them, hey, this is what's going on. This is what happened. And they said, all right, if that happened, then they got excited about it. And, and other things will come from this. Uh, good things will come from this. And it all started because Peter didn't just sit down and say, I didn't get anything on, on that. Uh, I'm just, just here. There are times that we will walk into situations that God has put us into. And God has not told us what to say. And we need to just open our mouth and speak the things that he will inspire us to say. That's not for the novice. And Peter's not a novice in the things of God. He's been walking in some pretty heavy-duty stuff in the uh, last number of weeks and really moving into, in the realm of the Spirit. So he opens his mouth and he lets God speak. Remember, Jesus taught them. He said, when you are brought before people, when you're brought before judges, and you're brought before the authorities, don't wonder about what you should say. For in the moment that you need it, I'll tell you what to say. I'll tell you what to say. You'll say it, you'll say it like this. That's why hypothetical such situations, people try and say, well, if you were in this situation, what would you do? What would you say? It's ridiculous. Because you don't have the aid of the Holy Spirit. When you are in that situation, the Holy Spirit will give you the options. He will give you the things to do, the things to say. 
He will inspire you at that moment. Don't lose any sleep over what happens when this goes on. What happens when this happens? What do we do at this time? What if people ask me about? We just don't need to worry about it. God will take care of us. And just as, as Peter here, he's just going to open his mouth and speak and things are going to come out and it's going to minister to the people there. What he says is not really profound. It's good, but it's not necessarily profound. Well, but it has an effect on them and the Spirit of God moves and the people get there get filled with the Spirit and they start speaking in tongues. And That's a pretty open group because I don't know that they've seen anybody speaking tongues up until that point. They did. But here we got this question here. Is Cornelius saved? Well, he's seeking after God. He fears the Lord. He gives alms. He does a lot of things. But we don't have that he believed in Jesus Christ as the Savior. Not that he wouldn't have. He didn't know. And I'm sure some of his prayers are God's. You know, God, you tell me what I need to do to be a, a good servant of God. And so there's nobody in his area that can help him out with that. And so God says, send over there to get Peter. I know Peter will have the right thing to say for you. Peter's uh, fairly close by. He's over there in Joppa. God's been kind of moving Peter around, going from one city to another city, revival in this city, revival over here. Uh, go get go get Peter. He's, a, he's one of my closest guys right now. He's going to come in. He's going to speak some good things and help you out. And they did. And already, we, remember, he, he left one city. Revival is going on to go to Joppa. He gets to Joppa. Revival is going on in Joppa. That's why he's staying at Simon the Tanner's. And then people come to get him. I mean, most of the time, we kind of want to finish the revival. See the kind of spirit of God kind of dry, drop down a little bit. He, don't, he, he just, all right, let's move on to the next one. And he goes up there, and now he's ministering in that area. Don't ever be fearful to move from this person to minister to this person, thinking, well, maybe the job isn't done. Don't worry about that. You go as, as God directs you. God will direct your path. God will move you from one thing to another. And just because you stumbled upon something in one area, got somebody healed, and all kinds of folks are responding to that person being healed, don't worry about going into another area where you don't have anybody healed because God will bring somebody else along. You can get them healed. And God will start some things on there. And Peter never has to stay in an area too long. Some, some of these revivals we've had going on in this country, sometimes they stay too long. And funny stuff started coming out. Weird stuff started coming out. Remember the Toronto one was, was one and just some, I mean, it started out genuine, started out good, but then some weird stuff happened. They just kept staying there and some other ones uh, had gone on that way too. Don't be afraid to, to see that God's going to be here and move in a special way and then he's going to go over here and you need to follow along and just do what God says to do. He will help us out. Cornelius is not likely saved. Did a lot of things, sought after God, had his hours of prayer, fasted, gave alms, did all these great things, and got God's attention. And when he prayed, God sent a vision. All right, look, go and do this. He doesn't do this vision for everybody, but Cornelius was going to be instrumental in bringing the gospel into that area. And God sent him a vision. Because Cornelius is going to go through something because of the revival he's going to start. And God gives him this vision, I think, just to hold him holding through it. That's why God did it. Joseph and Mary had very strong revelations about what they were going to do. And they underwent a lot of persecution for what they had done. Peter, 
very strong revelation. And God says, he's going to see what kind of things. I'm going to show him what things he's going to have to suffer for my name's sake. The disciples all had some tremendous revelations going on in the ministry with Jesus. They carried them through because each one of them went through a, a time when their life was threatened and many of them died serving God. God will be speaking things to us. Expect Him to. And when He speaks something to you, don't just jump out and start telling everybody what it is He spoke to you about. You need to meditate on it. You need to mull over it. You say, Father God, am I getting the right thing from what you shared with me? We've all listened to people who have shared some things about what God told them, and you say, man, that is not right. It doesn't agree with Scripture. How'd they come out with that? You can't shake them from it because they had a dream. They had a vision. They had something remarkable come. Well, they didn't spend time to find out what the revelation was. You could have people that got this vision that Peter got, and they could have started the church of snake eating, the, snake of, uh, the, the, the church of critter eating. All we do is eat critters and snakes and buzzards and... <laughs> All these different things. We're the, we're the church of the uh, four-cornered cloth or something like that. And they come up with a name. And that's not the meaning that God wanted to come out of there with at all. But you can't shake them from it because they had this tremendous experience, this great revelation. Any revelation that God gives us is worth us spending some time to find out, what is it? Am I getting this right? Mull over it with Scripture. Compare what you are learning, what you are seeing with what is written in Scripture because it will agree with it. If it doesn't, chuck it. You got the wrong wrong meaning out of it. It was imperative that Peter get the right meaning out of this and that he carried it out. And, and God did it. God waited until these guys are right at the before the door because God says, I need Peter to understand that the vision I am telling him has to do with these three guys that are coming to the door. So he lowers it down three times and tells them in the spirit, there's three people here, go with them. He goes with them. And finally, he says, he's still pondering. We didn't, we didn't find out that he heard from God what it meant. He was still pondering. He saw the three people. He saw what was going on here. He says, this is what God was saying. God was telling me what, is, what he has called clean. I am not to call unclean. He came out with the right thing. And it really helped him. Unfortunately, Peter didn't hang on to it for too long. He let it go. He did get it back. He, did, he took Paul's uh, rebuke and he did get it back. But this is an ingrained thing with, with him. He sees it as unlawful for a Jewish person to eat, socialize with a Gentile. How hard is it for him to stay at Simon the Tanner's house? It's got to be a pretty difficult thing. He doesn't say too much about it, but that's got to be a pretty difficult thing. He's got to be having some, some hard time. You will run into people who would expect that you will have something to say to them from God. Don't back off from it. Speak what God puts in your heart. Speak what God says to you. They may not like it. They may not they say, ah, that's not it. <laughs> they may not always respond to it as well as Cornelius and his group did. They, they really responded to it well. It was really easy for Peter to say, yeah, I guess I said what I was supposed to say. But not always does that happen. Peter, uh, Paul sometimes went into a city and spoke the things that God told him to say. And the response was not that good. Jesus went into some towns and spoke the things that he was supposed to say. And the response was not always that good. Just because you say what God says to say 
doesn't mean everyone's going to love you. Jeremiah, Elijah, these are, these are guys who spoke what God said to say, and not everybody liked it. But you go on and you speak those things. Next time we get together, we'll find out the, the message he said and the revival that it sparked and the effect that it had in the cities around. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us, that you will speak to us all kinds of ways. Down in our spirit, you'll give us revelation. Sometimes even with dreams, sometimes with visions, sometimes with, as it was with Peter, with a discerning of spirits in operation, seen in the very heavens. Father, however it comes, we need to make sure we get the right interpretation and that we apply it in the right way. It's imperative that the message we take to the world is the message that you send us with. Thank you for the help that you give us on that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.